Hey kids, you uh, you trying to get into Segment City? Well, you really shouldn't, because Segment City is a mature podcast, and listener discretion is advised. I'm just trying to look at. I know I'm in an alleyway. I know. I know how I look. But I got some fireworks for you kids. I got snakes and I got sparklers. That's all I got. Oh, don't give me that. I don't. I don't have an intro. I let's not do that. We're gonna keep rolling, <laughs> but I don't have an intro, and I'm panicking now. This is like normally I can improv stuff. Normally mm-hmm. we just say to kind of each other like, "Hey, hey like, hey, well, what's going on?" Uh-huh. But I don't have anything. I'm letting you and have I'm, all the rope here, and if you want to, if you want to hang oh, yourself with I'm it, I'm hanging you, myself. <laughs> no, you, I, I, I've spun myself have, a web, much like Spider Man. There's so much rope here. I have too much I, rope. Like DB Cooper, I've thrown myself from a plane. And one of the parachutes <laughs> didn't work, and I didn't know it, so I'm hurtling to my death. So I'm I'm pulling on cords. I'm like, what am I gonna do for this intro? And you know what? It worked. He found Welcome it. To segment the <laughs> Welcome to Segment City, everybody. This is this is a podcast in which Theo and I talk about segments each week we, that we come up with. Some are new, some are reoccurring, some are just like getting right into it. I'm Will Kane, the least prepared podcaster. In the industry, and I'm Theos Pacos, the, the the malfunctioning parachute of the podcasting world. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, I, we're just fucking zooming right into it. So, do you want to get right into Will's stupid thought for yeah, the week? Hand me that one. Let's see what it, let's see what it is. I'm, I'm yeah, no, to know. no time for. We're just skipping the small talk. Despite the fact that telling stories is something that everyone does, some people are really bad at it. Conversely, some people are really good at it. Some people are like really rap. You're like someone's telling you just like about them something weird that happened to them when they were getting their sandwich, and I'm just like I'm I'm ready. I'm all here for it. Like you're you're spinning me a yarn. I think that's more rare though. It is. How often are you hearing a sandwich story? Like some people know. Like that's that's the thing. I think people in their daily lives because you tell stories all the time. Oh, Janice from accounting came up to my desk, and you know what that bitch said to me? Like you tell stories like that. Um. Or just like, oh, what did you do today? Oh, I went and I did this and this and this. But somehow people don't understand, one, pacing. Pace and space. Two, they 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 talk, like, because everyone knows the worst storytellers are children. Children are the worst storytellers <laughs> the in the world. Are the worst stories. And then, and then there was a mountain. Yeah. And, then, and then there was a goat on the mountain. And then, and then. They don't know how to, like, do, get rid of some information that is unnecessary they don't know how to censor themselves right so they go i i i saw a a, uh the red bucket and my my friend uh janice has a red bucket that's like that one and i'm like get to why what do you want about this red bucket he's like i just saw it and i'm just like what was that story that was a bad story children give you all of the facts as they see them and it turns out the children are not very good at knowing what facts are relevant and what facts Unfiltered. unfiltered unfiltered whereas a good story t- for me, you need to have one pacing. pacing. You got to know when You're, people are good. Like, welcome to Will Kane's school of, of a storytelling. Of a good story. Step one. Two. Figure out your pacing. Have good pacing. Step two. Censor some information. They don't not need everything. Not everything's relevant. Yeah, not everything's relevant. Going along with that, 
make sure they have enough information to understand the story. This shower of thought came from uh, a story that my mother was telling about coworkers that I've never met in my life. <laughs> and she's she's dying. She was like, and then they send an email, like, and they said this. Sub, and- sub addendum to uh, uh, point number three. Yeah. If there are characters in your story that uh, the, the, the recipient of the story doesn't know, decide whether you'd like to provide more information. Do not charge ahead as though the, the person hearing the story knows these characters intimately yes. and has spent years interacting with them. Assume that they have no idea what you're talking about every single... I will always add the, like, in parentheses, like, my friend Theo, like, right. <laughs> from college. Like, I will add in that, like, the classification, right. and the context. Term- you need to determine which level of context matters. You don't need this whole person's yes. li- life's life, whole life story, but you also need to know a little, a little smidge about them. Another, another point of storytelling, go to your audience. Mm-hmm. If, if you're talking to your grandma, add all those details. So I was going to uh, the store. Classes have been going well, grandma. <laughs> no, I'm not living with my brother. No. I'm trying to tell uh-huh. Do you want to hear about? No. You, uh, no. no? I, okay. I guess I have been eating well. Thank you. You got to like really like my grandma was asking me about my classes. She does not know anything about computers. She she once asked me about what the difference between 2D art and 3D art was because mm. I was doing 3D art and she didn't understand the difference between 2D and 3D. Next she's so I had to, to tell a story like... about why of how that works. <laughs> she's going to be like next time she's going to be like, "So William, what's the difference between 3D art and 4D art? Gotcha oh, now, shit, grandma. smart no, guy. Uh, time. It's time, Grandma. <laughs> shit. I don't know what you want from me. Gotcha, smarty boy. You got to know your audience. That's a big thing. Uh, and, it's just, and also, just know what's an interesting story. Yeah. That goes with censoring yourself. Know what the interesting part of your story. I am. I, I know when people get bored with stories because I get bored with stories at a mm-hmm. certain point. Where I feel like I'm pretty good at filtering down my stories to like, okay, boom, boom, boom. Let's get the bullet points. So right. let's get interesting. It. You need interesting bullet points. Shouldn't have wasted space in there. Again, pacing. Pace and yeah. space. Pace, pace it. Pace it. I once uh, in when I studied abroad in London, oh. Um, I oh, I was I went on like a bunch of trips. I went to like Amsterdam. I went to Dublin. Uh, and the thing about like flats or like the, the student housing in uh, universities there is you have a communal kitchen mm-hmm. that is also like the common area. And then everyone has individual rooms with like showers and stuff. It was great. But I came back from Amsterdam um, and one of my uh, flatmates was like, hey, how was Amsterdam? And so I start telling them, bullet point, like, let me tell you some wacky shit that happened in Amsterdam, because mm-hmm. Amsterdam's a wacky place. The wacky, wacky stuff happens. Right, wacky times. British people are very interesting to me because they know the social etiquette. They're very particular about the social etiquette. They knew that it would be very polite to ask how my like weekend went. But they didn't actually want to hear about it. The problem is, yes, exactly. The problem is she started talking to another person at the same time. I was telling, like, she turned away, started talking to it, and I was like, "You're not even trying, are you?" Like, like Americans, Americans don't necessarily have that thing, but we're good at like, uh huh, uh huh, uh huh. Like, you'll at least like that is interesting. I would, I would, I would rephrase from her point of view. If I was giving her advice, I would say. Instead of asking, how is your weekend? Say, did you have a good time? That's a yes or no. 
Yes, and, and then uh, you can immediately and then you can, get then out. you can be like, cool, good, I did my due diligence of being a polite neighbor, and now I can get on with my life. And because, that signals to me, that's, a, that's an end away, question. She came away significantly more rude yes. than, just exactly. not, than just not even asking. Yes. If <laughs> Asking, did you have a good time, is usually my way to end the talk. Oh, well, did you have a good time? Oh, that's good. Right, because that's, that's a yes, or, yes that's, or no that they don't generally expound on. Yeah. But it, 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 and the thing is, I was following my rules. I did wacky shit in Amsterdam. Did I was you having hear a great, about this I'm wacky like, shit? You want to hear about like me telling stories? I'm making jokes. Like I'm keeping I'm interest. I'm doing goofs and gags. But apparently not for the audience. That was my that was the flaw there. Yeah, that was But it is amazing to me. People don't know how to tell a fucking story. You should have like set the, sat her down right there and said, "Do you realize how bad of an audience you're being right now?" Some people. Hey. The nerve. Some audiences, am I right? Tough crowd. Tough crowd. <laughs> Rude crowd, am I right? Mm. What do you think's the best? What's the best storyteller you've ever heard? What is the like thing that got you in? Is it just the way that they talk? Is it the pacing? Is I mean, you're like... talking about just like a, a regular person who is telling a story, or like I mean, I've heard like yeah. professional storytellers. Like, There's professional storytellers, but like I think they have a good cadence usually of or like a good like way that they say the things. It's they it's have funny because. I don't remember what experience I had, but it, I remember one time something so wacky happened to me that I told the story. I definitely told it to you, but I don't know what it was. I told it to so many people that it, I became better each time I told it. I became yes. better and better at telling the story till eventually, like I was like, I was like, okay, this detail is worth fudging, and this detail is like worth like expanding because people get a kick out of it, and like you end up yes. getting a, getting a rhythm for you, it. You know, yeah, you know the big best parts from reaction from other people. There, there also comes a time when you forget. You start the to forget story, right? Because yeah. you're like, I'm. I know. I remember telling the story, but I don't actually remember the source material as well as I remember the story. I will give you a very specific example. Remember, in was it sophomore year or something? We went to a Halloween party at some house on Mission Hill, yeah, which I, is a I local place yes. in Boston. I told that story to every single person that we knew. <laughs> Because it was funny. And it was now, it, it was a great it was a great party story. It didn't have many. So it was my go-to, like, hey, do you want to hear a and funny it was story funny, from like, Halloween? Hey, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. I got very good. There was a peak. There was, like, a peak. And then after <laughs> a time, I stopped telling it to people. And I for, like, I could probably tell it now, but it wouldn't be that same, like, But you were peak. in a cadence. Like, like you know, you had, I was the, like, you had I'm the ready. flow I, of the story. Yeah. There was stuff that I, like, the punchlines, right. I got it. But now I, like... If I told you on the podcast, I think it would be like, oh wait, no, 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 let me go back. Let me. It's, it let was me long figure enough out, ago like, at this point too. It's it's better when it's like really fresh. Yeah, yeah. I remember the the base. Like, there's the funny that we met a guy that was dressed. He had like a hamburger hat. He had a tutu on. <laughs> yeah, right. He had a bunch of stuff. And then he, I asked, "What are you?" And he said, "I'm spring break 2011 because this is what I woke up in." And no, I said, "I think it was like he was. You were like." What are you? And he's like, Spring Break 2011. Yeah. And you're like, oh, that's really specific. And he's like, yeah. I said, I mean, that's, a, that that's a you story. <laughs> that's <laughs> right, not a like, general story. <laughs> that dude that dude broke the rules of Halloween costume. You can't dress up as, a, <laughs> you can't dress up as an inside joke that only you know about. He also wasn't with his group of friends that that story happened with. He was just dressed up by himself. <laughs> he had no audience that understood that reference. 
You have to explain it to every single person, which yeah, is so a, I have this Halloween costume. No, spring break 2011. Like, cool. I don't really want to hear about it. I'm okay. That's, that's a bad story. That's, that's another thing that <laughs> you need to know the audience because I always preference whenever I say anything about when I went to study abroad, I will do that voice of when I did study abroad. Because if I say, oh, when I went to study abroad, people always go, ugh. But like if I lampshade it a little bit, ooh, okay, this is a little bit funnier. I'm willing to get into right. the story because you know that it's We all know it's a little tongue-in-cheek here. Yeah. You know what's also very tongue-in-cheek? My next segment. My next segment. Actually, yeah! That was actually a great transition because my next segment is actually about one of your campfire campfire about- favorites, s'mores. We're going to talk about oh, s'mores boy. here. I, I went camping ooh. this. Will knows I went camping this past weekend. I had I had a, you know, I had a s'more, you know, as as you do. And um, I wanted we start got, started to get talking about different variations on s'mores, and I found an article that has like a bunch of different. It's a BuzzFeed like list listicle, I guess you could call it. And mm-hmm. I want to, I want this to be a quick segment, so I'm just gonna read through their suggestions. I want you to give me your gut reaction on them, just quick, quick fire gut okay, reaction. I'm ready. Some I'm of them ready. are good. Some of them I don't think are as good. Okay, so, I'm ready. And wait, okay, so gut reaction, and if you think it's an improvement or not on, an improvement. On the, on the s'more, on or, the s'more. Or, or not an improvement. I'm going to say flat out, s'more, I don't know if you can improve it that much. Some yes. people say, like, add a peanut butter cup. I could see that, but also, chocolate's good enough. Like, maybe, like, better quality chocolate. Like, yeah. There's, there, okay, let's go with this. I think, I I think most of these you're going to answer not an improvement. Here we go. Number one. Okay. Wrap your s'more in a biscuit and add strawberries. Wrap your s'more in a biscuit and add. There's so many questions. You can't just say <laughs> that's a whole recipe. They just gave the TLDR recipe. I'm just le- reading you what they what they wrote. All right. Wrap. Okay. I'm I'm like okay. Okay. Imagine, that's a I'm, lot. I'm gonna, on... I'm gonna g- I give you the layers: biscuit, yeah. marshmallow, strawberries, okay. chocolate, biscuit. Okay, if let's say that it's not just whole ass strawberries, because that would be a, slice, a big slice, bite. Slice, 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 slice. Um, I don't know if the biscuit is gonna improve it, as opposed to Grant. I think strawberries. You might have a little bit there if you right. if you're big into strawberries like me. I can envision it. Ooh, yeah. It might. I think the gooiness of the the marshmallow might make it like mm-hmm. push out the strawberries. Yeah. But there's something there. What I thought they meant was stick. Wrap your your <laughs> marshmallow whole, in dough. Ass ball yeah. of dough around. So it's as big as like an apple on a stick, and you put it, put it in, and you got to make sure it's golden brown before you oh take it God. out. All right, so the improvement or disprovement? I don't know what the opposite of improvement. No, is. it's no. it's a different thing. I also don't even point. know if this is even a s'more. Like, yeah, that's, that's not even a s'more. All right, next one. Use Nutella instead of chocolate. Improvement or not? I would say that's a that's like equal. equal. I would I would accept that that Nutella to me is very similar to chocolate. It adds a Nutella, to the same. It adds a, uh, a hazelnut kick too that you might be interested yeah. in. Yeah, I would say that's like yeah okay solid advice. All right, next one. I would... Peach brie and dark chocolate s'mores. Holy shit! What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> what is this charcuterie shit that you just did? <laughs> for the millennials, peach really kids. Peach brie. Brie. Let me just bring out my brie board yep. out mm-hmm, when I'm mm-hmm. in the woods. Mm-hmm. 
Oh no, a raccoon took off with it. A very bougie <laughs> raccoon. What is I'm taking this to the garden party. <laughs> I just need a nice soft cheese to go with this trash. I do Okay, that's so many So graham cracker, you, that's peach, brie, chocolate, graham cracker. That's not even a s'more. They've omitted the marshmallow. Just get rid of Okay, and then they're just <laughs> going to be like no graham cracker. Words don't mean anything anymore. Yeah. <laughs> You you have wheat thins instead of <laughs> triscuits. I don't know. Instead of graham wrappers, and then oh, what's this chocolate doing in here? Put some di- like hazelnut spread. Okay, I, I don't know. It's a different thing. Okay, so not an improvement. <laughs> I take no, it. I don't. Next That's one. That's too much. It's too bougie. Yeah. Next one. Add cookie dough as a spread. Hmm. This, I, that's interesting. That's an inch. I think okay. I I I think I like this one because it doesn't disrupt the uh, textures you've got going on here. Mm, yes. Okay. Here's I, I'm going to set rules. I know we're like halfway in this, but I'm going. I've kind of formulated rules yeah, in my head. Okay. You can add things to the s'more. You can't take. That's, you can't wholesale take out an ingredient of the s'more and still call it a s'more. That's part of it. You could maybe, but like, like you could replace the chocolate with the hazelnut spread. That's fine. That's similar things. You can't just take out the marshmallow and go fucking breathe. Like that's a totally <laughs> different shit. It's like, not like it's not like you have a, a list of options for each of the ingredients. They're like, okay, pick not- <laughs> either graham cracker, wheat thin, or like fucking biscuit. Next item, choose chocolate brie. It's not like you can't. It's just, not a you subway. Can't, right. <laughs> you, can't, you can't just. You can't have it. Mix your and way. match. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can't do that. It has to have the base like or a replacement. Brie is not a replacement for be. <laughs> Brie and peaches is not like, I like the that's a different someone, flavor profile. I like this idea of someone like quickly be like, oh no, we're out of marshmallows. Let, let me Google what is a good replacement for marshmallows. And it coming up brie and then be like, sounds good. And then they have it and they go. <coughs> Chocolate and cheese. That's right, a bad dough, combo. Cookie dough. cookie dough. Yes. I'm going to say because you're adding it. I would try it. Here's, here's a question. Cookies instead of graham crackers. Mmm. Chocolate chip cookies? What are we talking? Yeah, chocolate chip cookies, I would say. You could, I, I, mean, I you would could try it. Ones, I but. would try it, but I think part of the appeal of a s'more is that the graham cracker is light enough that you can just Bite you can just it. keep going. Like like that's yeah. then you're eating two cookies, a piece of chocolate, and a marshmallow. And that's like that's a lot, you know? But two graham crackers yeah. is nothing. Yeah. I think I think I would try it also, but I would go back to the graham cracker. Alright, next one. Next one. Yeah. Once you toast the marshmallow, dip it in Bailey's. What is what, <laughs> what is and, and then put it back in the fire, set it on fire, and then blow <laughs> it like a, a fire breather to really amaze your friends. What is dip it in Bailey's? That's that's gonna saying. be that's gonna have fragments of marshmallow, which could make the Bailey's tastier. What what's the better deal out of this? Does the Bailey's get better or does the marshmallow get better? I think the marshmallow being soggy really is not an appealing offer for my no, <laughs> okay, experience. Yeah. It is it, the part of the, the crunch. You, you, you it's the, crunch. the goo very gooey inside with the like good shell around it. I don't like I'm one of those people who likes that good golden brown. Some people like it on fire and charcoal. Then no. I'm like mm, get that good golden. You know, you know, I think that the people that like it charred uh, this is my hot take. They've just never had a properly roasted marshmallow. Because, like, Maybe. how can how can you say you like a charred one when you've had a perfectly golden marshmallow? Like, really? I 
I will eat if it catches on fire and I immediately blow it out and it's charred. <laughs> I will have it. I will, I will still have eat it. it. I will have it. Yes, agreed. But I but I'll be not, a, I'll be sad that it caught on fire. Like that's that's the it, moral. Depends on how much charring. It could destroy the flavor imagine, if it's all charred. Just imagine going to a restaurant and they're like, uh, yes, I'll have the uh, Wagyu beef steak. And how would you like it cooked? Just chuck it in the fucking fire and let it burn. <laughs> <laughs> I want it just well, like, well, like, well, well done. They're like, that's not a good way to eat it. And you're like, I like it better that way. No, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't. Okay. <laughs> we'll cook it properly. We have the perfect marshmallow toaster. No. No, I don't want it. All right, well. Mm. Okay, but do we but Bailey's? I give. It I don't a think it would down. affect it. I give. It yeah, a I don't down. think it would. I would say drink Bailey's with it. Sure, that would be fine. I think you could make a fun cocktail out of some combination of uh, marshmallows and Bailey's and hot chocolate, maybe. Yeah. But you this... could make a s- s'mores drink. Right, that could be fun. Yeah. So not not into that one. All right. Well, no. I'm going to need you to hold onto your seat for this next one because it is <laughs> buck. It. it is buck fucking wild. Make a peanut butter and jelly bacon s'morito wrapped in a tortilla. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Let me give you let me give you the breakdown of this one. All right. I please. We have please. we have a layer of graham cracker. We have a yes. layer of chocolate. We have a yes. layer of bacon. We have no. peanut butter. We have jelly. We have marshmallows, and it is wrapped in a tortilla. And it looks terrible in the picture. You can't just knew, you can't just do this. <laughs> if Elvis knew that this existed, he would have died on the toilet way earlier. <laughs> this is just bananas. I know you can't. It has all the parts of the s'more. It's a completely different thing. They smashed two, three sandwiches together, and they said, "Look at our fucking mess that we made." I like that on they, Buzzfeed. I like that they didn't just take a s'more and a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and combine them. They had to throw fuck. They had to in- invite bacon to the party. They had bacon to in- is probably the most buck wild part. And they the had party. to then wrap it in a freaking tortilla. Where yeah. did that come from? That was out of left field, if I'm honest. <laughs> Annie and I were watching Food Network because we were just like fucking around. We weren't doing anything. Um, and <laughs> we were watching a thing and they're making like chicken broccoli ZD kind of deal, like Alfredo. Yeah. Uh, and they took one, they bought like chicken from like Boar's Head and then they were chopping it and like cubing it. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, you could have just gotten, it would have been better if you just got like a rotisserie chicken or whatever. Right. But that's fine. And then they're like, let's garnish it now. And I went, wait, what? And then they poured. So many bacon bits, like oh, literally no. covered. Like imagine, you know, when you put like breading on top of mac and cheese, yeah. like a mac and cheese, like a cov- whole, so you can't see the top covered in bacon bits. And then they're like, then we put a little bit of, a uh, little bit of like uh, scallions on there, and it's done. And I'm like, that's you ruined it. <laughs> and that's what they <laughs> did. A little sprinkle of green. <laughs> it's. It it's so much. Imagine okay, one the experience of biting into the tortilla, of like soft tortilla, crunch, crunch, cr- like soft crunch, soft crunch. There's so many levels of softness and also, crunch that is not satisfying. The whole point of this is that it's supposed to be a dessert, but now you've made some sort of freakish breakfast sandwich, breakfast wrap for me. Yeah, and I don't. I've already had my dinner. I've already finished my meals for the day. I'm just imagining this, and I'm overwhelmed by the flavors. <laughs> by the flavors. Like, there's so many. Like, I would probably just have, like, a Jimmy Neutron brain blast of just, so many flavors. So many flavors. Like, the, 
savory, salty, um, peanut butter, like uh, all the, uh, so it's many just different an overload profiles. Okay, so they should be fired. Whoever did this, yes, agreed. And they should be toasted like a marshmallow over the fire. <laughs> they should be toasted. They should be killed. <laughs> I no, I'm I'm joking, but. That's Buckwild, and uh, not a big fan of that segment. No, I'm just kidding. Every segment that you give me is a treat. It's a, it's a winner, except except for the fucking. Just don't except add bacon and peanut butter and jelly. Except when it's not. <laughs> so Theo, uh, the movie industry's been uh, in a rough place. I don't uh, know if you've known that. I I've I've been. I don't know what you're talking about. I've been at the theater every day. Have you actually? <laughs> I've been at the theater. Twice everyday day. Don't do that. You didn't even. We had movie pass at the same time, and we didn't even go that often. So I don't know why you're spending so much money on this. We had movie pass at the same time, and I still wasn't willing to get dragged to some of the selections that you picked <laughs> out. I was like, no, that's not even worth my time for free. You want to see an anime movie that's only showing at hey we did nine see, p.m. We did see Shape of Water, which turned out was a fun flick. Yeah, it was good. It won the Academy Award, but. I don't think a lot of these... That's actually an interesting question of how the Oscars are going to go. That's not what this segment is about. This segment is The Most Rotten Tomato, where <gasps> I'm going to read... The Most Rotten Tomato. This is a segment in which I read just the uh, critical reviews for a movie, and let's see if Theo can guess what movie it is. I bet I'm going to put money. I don't think I can. But maybe the viewer, maybe the listeners have more confidence than I do. I balanced it based on that because the last time I d- did this, like the last few times, they were obscure, but they had funny reviews. <laughs> the, all the ones that I picked are like big movies coming out. Listen, I'm here for the goofs and gags, Huge. so even if I don't get it, it's okay. I'm along for the ride. I'm going to omit the name of the movie, and I will try to find, like, ramp up, like, over time, the ones that are more descriptive of what the movie is. Like, gives more, like... Ooh, there's a talking cat in it. You know okay. what I mean? That you're like, okay, I know what this is. Uh, I'm as athletic as a bed sock, but for so many reasons, this movie made me want to do backflips. Wait, is that's this, the number one review. Is that a, is, this is a review? Is this a? Hmm? Can I ask questions about this movie? Is it in? The, yeah. Is it? Is it a newer newer movie? Is it an older movie? The, these are all new movies on like the top movies coming out. Okay. All right. So should... these are these are huge ones. Like okay. these are these. I would have heard ones. of this one, presumably. Yeah, uh, this is a rotten review. That magic isn't present here, and the action scenes don't achieve liftoff. Not very specific. Uh, talking animals and slapstick silliness are very much out, and stiff-lipped themes of family, duty, and honor are in. That was a rotten one. That was a rotten um, one. Okay. It's is it Mulan? Is it Mulan? Ding ding ding! Is it Correct. Mul- it's Mulan. You didn't even, you didn't even get to the one where I was like, <laughs> apart from the sing, the lack of singing, romance, comedy, and a mouthy dragon, this is just <laughs> like the original. <laughs> Eddie Murphy isn't in this one, and I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> but also fresh. <laughs> but also good. Uh, hey, so this- I I hear I hear talk scuttlebutt around uh, around the the web is that people don't like this one. No, it's it's got a lot of controversy because they filmed it in the same province as the uh, let's call a spade a spade the concentration camps in yeah. China. Uh, That's a uh, so not great, not great, and also like Disney 
put out a statement where they're just like, yeah, we put a thank you in the end of the movie because that's what you do of the local place. And everyone was like, not good enough, Disney. You didn't like this is you just said, like, sorry, not sorry. Of course we did it. You didn't say, like, sorry, we did that thing. We could have filmed other places. They were like, you're to blame for like you. No, no, no. You silly gooses. You can't just say that. Yeah. Uh, and it also just is like very pandering to Chinese audiences. And I don't think China's really into it. It's on yeah. Disney Plus right now. That's why I put it on here. It came out recently. It's a weird one because you're right that it, it doesn't seem to know the audience for it doesn't seem to be there. Like it's no. it's kind of like it's kind of made for China's audience, but China doesn't seem that interested. And then they're like, oh, but wait, also it's a, like Westerners should like this too, but also Westerners aren't that into it. So no, it's it, it. I think it was made for China, and China went like, "You're taking our folktale and making a movie." It, I don't know. It just feels weird. It's and it, it's not like campy and fun. Like Annie was like, "Hey, there's a Russian Beauty and the Beast kind of thing," except the Beast is a dragon. That's cool. to get me to watch that. I might watch it <laughs> sometime fine. with her. But yeah, but it's like okay, that's fine. Like you took Be- Beauty and the Beast. That is a like Western like French kind of story and then they they made it their own. It's like, okay, that's fun. You're adding something to it. And I can watch it at like a bad movie night if it's bad. I don't know if it's bad. But this is not like this is not entertain like this is just like we want to make a Chinese kind of like heroic national film that like China will make, but it makes sense within their context. It's Disney trying to do that for themselves. Do you think it's also because the do you think that the bottom is sort of dropped out on their live action remakes? That's a good question. I mean, what what would you want to watch as a live action remake? I'm not the right audience for it. I haven't watched a single one, and I'm not interested. Like, I'm just I'm not I, the right audience. Yeah, for I'm this. not interested. It's it, it's hard to go from animated to not animated to I live think, action. I think if they put in the proper CGI work, they could make Hercules interesting. But I don't think I I still wouldn't be a mm. big I wouldn't be a big fan necessarily unless it was like really good CGI and. Uh, I don't know. They'd have to cast it correctly, and mm-hmm. I could I could be interested in that one, but it still would be a long shot. I don't. Yeah, I don't know what would be like a good Hercules is a good call. I just don't know other princess ones. Snow White, like, but Snow White is kind of boring. Mm. Within, the, I feel like they're going to do like one hundred and one Dalmatians and call it live action, like they did with Lion King, even right. though Lion King was not live action. Right. It just was photorealistic, but. Anyway, let's go, let's go on to the next movie that I shall present to you. Okay, I'm ready. This is a rotten review. What strikes you is how determinedly bare a feeling it seems, even when emotional opportunities present themselves. Hmm. Uh, it's a shiny clockwork contraption with a hollow center, a convoluted Rubik's Cube blockbuster that, once solved, reveals little more than the complexity of its own design. That was another rotten one. That's a, a good. That's review. a that's a good good uh, comparison to a Rubik's cube. Nice work, reviewer. Very apropos. Hmm. That was it. Was very poetic. I was like, good job. Uh, from USA Today, the fresh one, both utterly dazzling and increasingly bewildering. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe you could follow what is happening if you wrote it down on a flowchart with circles and arrows and multiple colored inks, <laughs> but it wouldn't be worth the effort, and that's hard to do in a dark movie theater. <laughs> you know me, always showing up to the movies with my huge whiteboard and ball of ball of yarn and magnets. Yeah. <laughs> this one's going to be 
probably gonna uh we're getting more into the uh blank which is the name of the director has finally zoomed out so far with a story that fundamentals of physics have themselves become character motivations that was a fresh review another fresh one is telling a story backwards sounds bizarre it is bizarre but it works the back end stuff in blank sounds bizarre worse than bizarre goofy and for a while it works but once it doesn't it really doesn't I'm, and that was a fresh one <laughs> so I, don't, <laughs> I don't know what to think um i i know what movie you're talking about but i forget what it is called it's like it's, uh, do you know the director because i will give it to you if you know the director i don't know the director but i know that once you say the name i'm gonna be like yep that's it i'm blanking uh, on it though it's uh shoot it's a single it, word right it begins with a T. Yeah, it's, it's something like teller or mm. tenor or it's something Whoa. like that. Uh, I, I I can't remember, but I rem- I know what you're, you're talking about. You're close. You're close enough. It's tenant. Tenant. That's it. Yep. Uh, apparently, people are very this this movie got a 74 freshness rating and pretty same audience score, so pretty good on that. Okay. I didn't read the. Uh, Certified fresh, 75% for Milan, 50% for audience. So 50-50 for audience. Not a lot of people love it. This next one, uh, not as well reviewed. <laughs> okay. So this is the last one we're going to do. Fresh review. Uh, Blank's last blank movie is an unholy mess. Out of the wreckage, a cult classic has been born. Uh, you could call it One Flew Over the Mutants. Oh, dang it. Uh, blank's nest. If you had an ounce of wit or personality, <laughs> I, I kind of gave way. Uh, it finally arrives more than two years after its original planned release date, and at times it's hard not to stifle the unkind thought, "Why so soon?" That's a fucking <laughs> <harsh> <laughs> one. Damn. Uh, it adds up to an old-fashioned B-picture bereft of the rousing jolt of bad taste that gave the genre its energy. A popular six billion franchise is saying goodbye while handing the reins over with a wimpy young adult horror flick. Oh, um, I I will forgive you for not knowing the name of it, but give me a description of what. Shoot, I, I'm trying to remember if I actually, if I have heard of this one, it's only like very briefly. Uh, shoot, no, I'm gonna need I'm gonna need help I'd on be, this one. I would be surprised if you hadn't because it's been. I've been seeing trailers for this movie for I think like Is this the X-Men one? That's like yes. uh yeah, okay. It's X-Men, it's... but it's like not no one cares about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's new it's... new mutants or something. Yeah, the new new mutants. There Perfect. Yeah, yeah, you got it. Uh I will give you those I think you knew them. It's just you didn't know the name, which is fair. Uh yeah, New Mutants. Thirty three percent rotten tomato score, so not very good, and then fifty four percent audience score so audiences liked it a little bit more they just had to flush it out of their system before disney took over right like that was what that was it's i don't know why it was like just sitting on the shelf it seemed to be finished for like a while and it had like big name actors at the time like it had Arya stark and uh yeah the older brother from stranger things in it it's like well yeah i don't know why you're putting it out in like no time like i guess they needed to put it out eventually and they're like why not why not right yeah i guess yeah but anyway, that was the most rotten tomato. But it wasn't a you rotten did. segment. No. You know oh, <laughs> my boy! I give. The, I'm gonna give this next fre- the segment a fresh rating. Am I right? Ooh, yeah. Because it's 
as seen on TV? Question. Ooh. Here is a segment where I present Will with three options of as seen on TV products. One of which is fake, and I have I have made it up. So mm-hmm. I read a description. I tell you a price. I tell you the name of the product, and then you decide which is the fake one. So, are you ready to go, contestant? Yes. For and the grand prize is you get to win the one that I made up because it doesn't exist. Okay. <laughs> okay. Here we go. First item on the docket. Number yes. one, the cozy bib for twenty seven ninety five. <laughs> <laughs> As opposed to those uncomfortable bibs with the barbs on them. <laughs> the cozy bib is a bib that is made to keep you clean and keep you warm. It's perfect for chilly winter meals when you'd like to stay under a cozy blanket. Wait, wait, hold on. How big is this bib? It's like a combination of a bib and a blanket. And a Snuggie? <laughs> like, it's a big Snuggie? But it's got a bib component. <laughs> <laughs> it just says hungry boy on it. <laughs> Very hungry boy. It's perfect for chilly winter meals when you'd like to stay under a cozy blanket. And no need to worry about staining. The polyester and cotton, cotton blend is easy to machine wash and is coated on one side with a waterproof cover. You no longer need to worry about dirtying your blanket. Cozy bib is amazing and dual purpose. That's option number one, the cozy okay. bib. Number two, easy feet for $33.12. Easy feet? Easy feet. My feet, my feet are being very hard my recently, feet. so maybe this You can is see the help. infomercial already. Have this ever happened to you? My feet are too hard to deal with. I can't bend they're, it all the way down. They're all wild all the time. There's a guy just like step dancing, just like, help, help, <laughs> help, help, please, help, help. Please, I need easy feet. Easy Feet is great for feet of all ages, perfect for family use. This massager slipper is used to clean what? and massage your feet from heel to toe, giving you clean what? and smooth feet. Cleaning and massaging, <laughs> cleaning and massaging, no more bending to clean your feet. Slipper shape, reasonable design, and convenient handling. Suction cups at the bottom adhere to the floor and hold it what? in place. Smooth heels with built-in pumice stone. This stone is detachable. Simply clean your foot by slipping it in and out. It's like getting a pedicure every day. I d- <laughs> it's 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 just a guy named Ralph who just comes <laughs> and like licks your feet. He's like, I gotta. This is my thing. <laughs> he just starts scrubbing your feet. It's never been easier to clean your feet. It's me, Ralph. Is- Easy feet boy. I'm going to say I don't think this is you. I think this is too specific and too like. I don't think you would immediately go for the feet. As you don't think I would go to, for the feet I, for the bib. I think the suction cups was what really got me. I think that's like I couldn't imagine you going like, okay, what's gonna really send this over the edge? Cruella, how about some fucking suction cups so they suction, can't get so away? Can use it in the shower. It's like <laughs> so you can massage your fucking feet. Right. I love that. It's like yeah, 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 yeah. Like it's, it's cleaning. Right. It does do a lot. It is uh, that is a point for maybe it is you. And it does a lot. The last one. Last one is Alien Tape for nineteen ninety nine. <gasps> Alien Tape is the amazing double sided waterproof tape that works on brick, wood, drywall, glass, stucco, and more. It's perfect for hanging picture frames, shelves, decorations, etc. No screws, anchors, or adhesives needed. Safe for painted surfaces. The advanced grip technology works effectively and <laughs> leaves no residue if removed. Alien tape is weatherproof, so it can be used indoors or outside. It's reusable too. Simply remove and rinse. That's nineteen ninety nine for alien tape. 
that sounds like a very it feels like that uh what was it called the the that's a lot of damage that's uh, a one. lot of damage yeah the the flex seal the one of the hallmarks of made for tv like products is that they are just normal products that they have <laughs> added some <laughs> flair to marketed <laughs> yeah so it's it's just a it's just tape they just have tape <laughs> it's just tape <laughs> it's just tape and if you if that's yours i'm gonna be very disappointed in you i'm gonna make my vote is are it you because, ready is it because it feels low effort it feels very low effort to just say it's tape and just call it <laughs> alien tape. Like that's the only thing that's outrageous about this tape is that it is alien tape. <laughs> All right. I thought it was going to be like, it was going to be like futuristic, have like neon lights on it. And it's like, like it's you could bring this to your rave. To you. <laughs> Ooh, I was we'll probed by an alien tape force. <laughs> and it ripped out a lot of hair. Oh God. Um, I think I think you came up with the bib. You think I I'm going to give the you hungry, a reason why boy, the bib. I think one because you're a hungry, hungry boy. Mm-hmm. Two because I imagine you laying on the couch with your uh, lovely girlfriend, and you saying, "I the one thing I hate about eating while I'm on the couch like a big pig <laughs> is that I have to take my arms out. <laughs> if only you catch all these crumbs onto my bib." <laughs> Oh my god. That's how you picture me spending my time coming up with great product ideas. Because <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're a fucking idiot. And, <laughs> and that's... <laughs> well, Will, you've got me pegged. The cozy bib was of my own invention. You yes! found me out. Yes, I got you. you I can bitch. only take it out. I can only take it as a compliment because you're like the alien tape feels too low effort, and you're not that low effort. I yeah, like, I think. Damn, you got me. You got it. The, the the suction cup was too high up. There, the 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 shoes were too high effort. Too high effort. They involved too much innovation. It was this is too the perfect yeah. middle ground. <laughs> Just enough in- innovation to be stupid. It was so innovative that it was dumb. <laughs> <laughs> it did too much. You gotta really throw in stuff I know with stuff I don't know. I gotta say, oh. I don't know why people keep coming up with new tines, kinds of tape. If you haven't found a tape that is working for your solution, like, I'm sorry, your adhesive needs something stronger. Like, you, tape is not your solution. Like, there's so many different kinds of tapes that NASA just used duct tape, and that was good enough for them. Like, like y'all need to yeah. stop coming up with different kinds of, of tape. It's enough no, already. Like, duct tape is, like, the most powerful industrial tape. Like, there's, like, other tape, like, Gorilla Tape or some shit. But, like, duct tape? Ooh, that's some good shit. Right. Uh, then, but you you want less sticky. I don't know why they're, like, max sticky, no residue. I'm like, I just don't want, when I tape two pieces of paper together, to get the rip. The rip off of the with the tape. I need something that's never going to come off until I need it to desperately to come off. And then I need it to come off right away. I need to come with its own solvent. But no sign that it was ever there. But when it's there, I need it to be absolutely fucking on there. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I want it to be like the most... A suction cup. You just want a suction cup. You want a suction cup. Man, that's a... You really killed it with that segment. Speaking of killing... Oh, God. Welcome to this segment. (laughs) It was a great transition once you know what it's about. This is Wikipedia historian... (gasps) 
Although asterisks, I'm not actually getting this from Wikipedia. This is just a history thing. So it's I guess it's history facts. No, it's still Wikipedia historian. It's just we use that term liberally. Uh, Theo, you know of Fidel Castro, correct? I mean, like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. The... I don't know where this is going, but yeah, I know. I know. And, and here, coming on stage next, welcome Fidel. <laughs> Hello, hello, everybody. How's it going? Where is this going, Will? Do you know, so for people who, for some reason, don't know, Fidel Castro was the leader, I suppose, like the... Yeah, you're in charge of Cuba. Dictator of Cuba. The American government did not like Fidel Castro. That is not a very uh, hidden secret. It's news to me. Fidel Castro... Uh, there have been many attempts on his life by the CIA. Is he still alive? Over time, he died recently. Oh, okay. Cool. He, he died in his nineties. Like he he. Well, that's actually part of this article. Um, how many times do you think that the <laughs> CIA oh, no. tried to kill Fidel Castro? That's a, I don't I don't. You're going to be wrong, but I want to see how. I mean, could it be how like- much? I would be surprised if it was like double digits, but then you're going to tell me that it's like way over that. My guess is going to be conservatively 10 times. You fool. <laughs> you fool. You absolute fool. I'm going to use two articles for this segment um, I'm, <laughs> that I'm sourcing. Uh, one is from abc.net.au, uh, I guess, Australian CB, uh, ABC. Uh and the title of this article is How Castro Survived 638 what? Very Funny Assassination Attempts. What? The other article I'm going to be sourcing is from Vox and is called Seven Bizarre Ways the U.S. Tried to Kill or Topple Fidel Castro. I'm so confused. So- like, how, how many years was he in power? How many times a year did they try to get him? It was like more than once a month if we do the math out, right? Here's the thing. They, this the uh, ABC article presented how many times per U.S. administration they ki- tried to kill him. Oh my god! So I will give you those stats now. Okay. Eisenhower tried to kill him 38 times. Okay. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Ke- Kennedy, in his short stint, tried to kill him 42 times. Oh my god! This is this is not like the president saying it's the CIA underneath. Right. Like, yeah. During uh, that under administration. administration. Yeah. Johnson tried to kill him 72 times. My God. Nixon tried to kill him 184 times. (laughs) Nixon, the fucking (laughs) tricky dick over there. Just Just throw a bunch at him. I don't care. Just send the boys in. Each one of them gets a go. Uh, Carter tried to kill him 64 times. Reagan tries to kill him 197 times. Yeah, that's like so peak, more that's than like, Nixon. That's like peak Cold War. That's pretty odd. Yeah, yeah, that is peak Cold. Uh, Bush senior. So this is after Cold War. 16 times. Mm-hmm. Still trying to Clinton. Get him. Clinton tried to kill him 21 times. Clinton's trying to get him. Trying to get him. <laughs> anyway, so let's let's start with the ABC article because I'm just going to read hilarious. the the intro. Uh, about How, 10 years imagine, ago, the f- uh, just mm-hmm. just just for a brief moment, imagine. 192 times in your four years or whatever as president. You get woken up during the middle of the night. Mr. President, we really think we got him this time. We've got him cornered. There's no way he's getting out of this one. All right. Take the shot. (laughs) Okay, we took the shot and uh, wrong guy. (laughs) Mr. President, 
why why aren't you just doing some wacky shit? Just go balls to the wall, boys. <laughs> and that's what they did. So this is going to be seven way, the wacky ways that the CIA tried to kill Fidel Castro. I'm very excited. In a series of uh, harebrained schemes, like something out of Wile E. Coyote and The Roadrunner, Get Smart, and, or any other James Bond parody ever, the CIA overwhelmingly failed to kill Castro. Apparently, according to uh, Fabian Escalante, who was head of Cuban intelligence, uh, the CIA tried to kill him six, over 600 times over a period of 40 years. So that gives you like rough, rough stuff. Jeez. So successfully did U.S. spies not kill the Cuban <laughs> leader that he was able to die of natural causes last week, age 90. <laughs> and this article came out in 19 or no, sorry, 2016. So he he lived recent, like he died recently. Huh. Uh, was Escalante exaggerating? Hard to say, but we knew from declassified CIA reports, as well as the testimony of some would-be assassins, that the agency did not try to kill Ca- did try to kill Castro plenty of times. Not all these plots were executed. Many were ideas plucked from the fevered imagination of the world's most powerful spy in- agency. So not all of these attempts were like actually carried through. They, mm-hmm. These were just all separate, I guess, like ideas. These were attempt were- one, right. like yeah, ideas. Uh, they inevitably shriveled up when exposed to reality. Somewhere behind this list of exploding cigars and flesh-eating wetsuits, to give you a little sneak peek, are a bunch of nameless inventors in what must have been a pretty surreal office culture. <laughs> so just imagine. So, oh Terry, what are you doing uh, on the whole Castro situation? They're just around the water cooler. I was thinking about exploding cigars. That seems pretty good. Like, <laughs> I was I, coming up with Am just I just crazy or... A bullet. <laughs> <laughs> more than anything the list suggests a complex tangled bureaucracy that was able to insulate personnel from external review while giving them unlimited resources to kill a distant powerful figure of myth the phantom menace of the united states <laughs> this went on for years and in that time president john f kennedy was shot dead by a gunman in dallas the kennedy administration had tried to kill castro 42 times uh, a Sears newspaper report in the 1970s led to a government investigation on the CIA's abuse of power. President Ford banned political assassinations in 1976, but according to Escalante, they continued for two more decades, including in the 90s under President Clinton. So let's get into these wacky, the wacky things they did. Number one, the poison cigar. <laughs> so as people probably know, Fidel Castro, very famous for the Cuban cigars. He would always be spoken of them. Probably the most famous attempt on Castro's life, the cigar plot, originated in 1960 toward the end of the Eisenhower administration, according to the Church Committee. A notate this is a quotation. A notation in the records of the Operations Division, CIA's Office of Medical Services, indicated that on August 16, 1960, an official was given a box of box of Castro's favorite cigars with instructions to treat them with lethal poison. The committee's report recounts. The cigars were contaminated with a botulinum toxin so potent that a person would die after putting one in his mouth. The official reports that the cigars were ready uh, by October 7th. Notes they uh, note that notes indicate that they were delivered to an unidentified person on February 13, 1961. The record does not disclose whether an attempt was made to pass the cigars to Castro. Just so there's a random to dude somebody. just has these cigars, <laughs> and they just, he must have been like, hey, I'll steal one. <laughs> like, just died and never oh gave it God. to him. 
There's a popular belief that the CIA also tried to give Castro an exploding cigar, but this is much more poorly documented, and some historians believe it to be merely an urban legend. But I'm going to say it's true because it's fun. <laughs> Heard it Number here two, the mafia ice cream plot. <laughs> what? The mafia ice cream plot. In mid-March 1961, mafia contacts of the CIA come to the closest, came the closest of anyone to carrying out an assassination, according to Tim Tim Weiner's uh, Tim Weiner's Weiner's history of the CIA legacy of ashes. They gave poison pills and thousands of dollars to one of the CIA's most prominent Cubans, Tony Verona. I don't know how Tony feels about being dangerous. <laughs> Uh, Wiener writes, Verona uh, uh, managed to hand off the vial of poison to a restaurant worker in Havana who was, who was to slip it into Castro's ice cream cone. Cuban intelligence officers later found the vial in an icebox frozen to the coils. They have like different ways that this also went that it failed, but <laughs> it it's the closest they got, apparently. Oh, welcome to Number my th- ice cream parlor. Uh, pick your poison. I mean, pick your flavor. I will. Thank you very much. <laughs> um... I, apparently, Fidel Castro was super into ice cream, and Cuba isn't known for like having a good clim- climate for cows, but he still like brought a bunch of cows just to make ice cream. God, what a legend. I, imagine, yeah, what a legend. Uh, number three, the exploding seashell plot. <laughs> I like Scu- where this is going. Scuba diving was one of Castro's favorite hobbies. Sounds so like perhaps, a pretty chill dude. He does <laughs> sound pretty chill, but he was also like, I don't think he was great. So perhaps unsurprisingly, the CIA looked into the possibility of building an exploding seashell to kill him on one of his expeditions. You know, cla- unsurprising. <laughs> he just has to I'm... pick up the the right one of the thousands of shells on the bottom yeah. of, the, of the ocean. I, I like that. It, maybe they're just like, maybe if we attach it to a mermaid as a bra <laughs> of some sort, he'll try to grope her. Uh, in 1963, the Church Committee reports recounts Desmond Fitzgerald, chief of uh, the anti-Castro CIA task force, asked his assistant to determine whether an exotic seashell rigged to explode could be deposited in the area where Castro commonly went skin skin diving. Uh, but here's the thing. That was not the only diving-related plan the CIA had. Number four, <laughs> the poisonous diving suit plot. Amazing. They had a, uh, quote, uh, a second plan involved having James Donovan, who was negotiating with Castro for the release of prisoners taken during the Bay of Pigs operation, present Castro with a contaminated diving suit. Donovan is maybe most famous for negotiating the spy trade that returned American U-2 pilot Francis Gary Powers. He was portrayed by Tom Hanks in the 2015 Steven Spielberg Coen Brothers movie Bridge of Spies, Hmm. which is uh, so it's like a pretty famous thing. He was successful in securing the release of thousands of Cuban prisoners after the Bay of Pigs, but did not wind up murdering Fidel Castro. <laughs> the Technical Service Division of the CIA did wind up buying a diving suit, dusting its insides with a fungus that caused the chronic skin disease, Madura Foot, and put TB in the breathing apparatus. Oh my god. But the suit never left the laboratory. So I just have this really bad... Alright, I'm going diving for the weekend. Anybody got a uh, suit I can borrow? We got this one in the lab. It's just been sitting here for a decade. Come on in and get it. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'll get it. Oh, it's tuberculosis. Oh, shit. <laughs> they just dusted it with, like, the fucking old-timey mad scientists. They're oh, just God. putting chemicals in there. Like, It'll kill them, I guess. Uh, number five, the paramour. 
Um, Rita Lawrence, Fidel Castro's one-time lover, had said that she was recruited by the CIA-funded anti-Castro groups in late 1959 and tasked with slipping him botulism toxin pills. Her CIA contact, she claims, was E. Howard Hunt, an agent who would later go to jail for his role in the Watergate's break-in. So very, <laughs> very <laughs> like trusting guy. Um, uh, as soon as her plane reached Havana, however, Lorenz had doubts about killing Castro. So this is uh, a. Do you want me to tell you the story of what like she told? It's a little bit long, but it's very entertaining. So sure. I think I'm going to. Even if she said she had the will to go through with her vision, she had already botched it, having stashed the capsules in a jar of cold cream. When she looked for them, they were quote. All gunked up. I fished them out and flushed them down the bidet. When Castro finally appeared, he was wary. Why did you leave so suddenly? Was his first question. Are you running around with those counter-revolutionaries in Miami? I said yes. I tried to play it cool. How, why would you say yes, first of all? <laughs> That's like uh, wild. I was playing I, it so cool. I was, uh, oh, yeah, I was yeah, spilling my guts. Yeah. The most nervous I had ever been was in that room because I had agents on standby and I had to watch my timing. I had enough hours to stay with him, order a meal, kill him, and prevent him from making a speech that night, which was already pre-announced. I think kill like that order of events, I'm going to have a nice meal with him. I'm going to just murder him and then mm-hmm. prevent him. from. I think those two killing him and preventing him from making the speech are the same task. So she has two tasks here. Uh, quote, he was very tired and wanted to sleep. He was chewing a cigar and had laid down on the bed and said, Did you come here to kill me? Just like that. I was standing at the edge of the bed. I said, Yes, I wanted to see you. And he said, That's good. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> what? I don't understand. Yeah. That seems He's... like a total non sequitur. Yeah. Uh, Castro asked if she was working for the CIA. Quote, I said, not really. I work for myself. Then he leaned over, pulled out his forty-five, and handed it to me. I flipped the chamber out and hit it back. He didn't even flinch. And he said, you can't kill me. Nobody can kill me. And he just kind of smiled and chewed on his cigar. I felt deflated. <laughs> okay. He was, so, he was so sure of me. He just grabbed me. We made love. I contemplated staying to try talking to him after after a speech, but it wouldn't but it would be too late because he rambles on for eight to ten to twelve hours. His speeches are twelve <laughs> hours long. That was the hardest part. I wanted him to beg me to stay, but he got dressed and left. I just sat there by myself a while. I left him a note. I told him I would go back. So this is <laughs> It I, just I, turns into two, an erotica. Two takeaways. One, Fidel Castro is an absolute legend. No one can kill me. He hands you the gun. Unbelievable. And then she does it. It just he's second, just like fucking do it. Second takeaway, she's the worst fucking spy I have ever heard of in my entire <laughs> life. She way to pick the your beans immediately. Way to pick your recruits, CIA. Like that is the only thing oh she did God. right was that she didn't say that she was working for the CIA. She, she was, just said, "I want to kill you for myself." And then he said, she was like, cool, he let's was, bang. And then they well, did. She didn't, even, she didn't even say no. He was like, do you work for the CIA? And she said, not really. What the fuck not does that really. mean? <laughs> of course, that means yes. Of course, that means yes. How do you get anything yeah. from that from that? Oh, my she, God. Yeah, it's just, okay, so that's, that's uh, it's basically that. 
Uh, six, the poison pen. In the early 1960s, the CIA made contact with a senior Cuban official. The, the official asked for and apparently received a cache of high-powered rifles with scopes, which he intended to use for an assassination. But the CIA also offered him a ballpoint pen rigged with a hypodermic needle, quote, so fine that the victim would not notice its insertion. Uh, That's some James Bond shit right there. But the officials apparently did not, quote, think much of the device, according to a CIA case officer, and complained the CIA could surely, quote, come up with something more sophisticated than that. What? A needle so fine that he won't even feel it and you can poison him? In a pen. Like, this is literally James Bond, like, Hugh being like, Bond, we've got a new device for you. And he's just like, yeah, but this is banal. Why can't I just have a good gun? Like, (laughs) what is he talking about? That's like, he wanted, that's like the the tech guys being like, all right, Bond, we've got you this invisible new Aston Martin. Oh, but this isn't the model I wanted. Can't you guys (laughs) do anything right? Why can't you give me the cool laser beams I know you have? I just Come want on, a guys. big, big, big gun. And number seven is character assassination through LSG-like drugs or debearding. These <laughs> technically weren't attempts to kill Castro so much as discredit him and you know undermine his rule. You kill the beard, you kill the man. Let's take him <laughs> out, boys. <laughs> but they're too strange to include, not to include here. Quote, from March through August 1960, during the last year of the Eisenhower administration, the CIA considered plans to undermine Castro's charismatic appeal by sabotaging his speeches. According to the 1967 report of the CIA Inspector General, an official in the Technical Service Division recalled discussing a scheme to spray Castro's broadcasting studio with a chemical which produced effects similar to LSD, but the scheme was rejected by the chemical because the chemical being unreliable. The task force also um, experimented with dosing a box of cigars with a chemical producing a temporary disorientation, which could lead to an embarrassing failed speech by Castro. The CIA inspector general also found a plan to dust Castro's shoes with thallium salts, quote, a strong depilatory that would cause his beard to fall out. It was supposed to be delivered to Castro when he was traveling abroad and left his shoes outside his hotel room to be shined. But when Castro canceled the trip, the attempt was abandoned. And that is all the funny attempts to kill Fidel Castro that they had. <laughs> what a wild ride. I, I just imagine like after year like four of this, he's like, can't wait to see what the boys come up with this year. It's got to be pretty crazy. <laughs> so we got a exploding cigar. He's like, fun, fun. Can I uh-huh. use it? Like. Can like cool, can it, yes. can they do it dirt at my birthday so I can use it to light my candles for my birthday <laughs> cake? That would be fun. You you can't do that. We're gonna kill you. Don't you understand? You don't seem to understand how this game is played. We dusted your birthday cake with fungus, and now it's <laughs> if you breathe it in, you die. And he goes, "That's fun. That's new. That's a new one. Good job, boys. Good, good job. You got it." But. I think we got this one in the bag, Theo. This was a, our episode of Segment City. So thank you, everybody, for listening to Segment City. It is the end of episode. So uh, I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, please leave us a star rating or uh, a comment or review on your podcast network's choice, whether that's iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, any of those, or even on YouTube. Uh, speaking of YouTube, 
We have a YouTube channel, Segment City. We have a Twitter at Segment City. We do. And we we have a thank you to give, don't we, Theo? You know who can't wait to see what you come up with this year, Will? What? It's Rachel Robinson. She can't wait to see what you come up with this year. She's Aww. so excited to see it. Oh, she, man. She did our intro music. She has a podcast of her own called Create Loud. You should go check it out. Yes, please do. And check out our past episodes. Send them to a friend. I know this show is hard to like pitch to people because it's us doing segments and everybody goes, isn't that every show? But it is is specifically two funny guys. It's a comedy podcast where we come up with segments each week that are new and uh, some are new, some are recurring. You sound like you're reintroducing the show. It's a time loop. We have to restart now. Is that how that works? All right. Theo, I don't have an intro. What am I going to do? Oh, God, no. I don't have an outro. I, what are we going to do? Maybe we just used, stop we the podcast used, now. We use the parachute. Oh, God. Just stop gonna, it. We'll just stop quiet. it. Just stop the podcast. Go, 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 go. Out, stop out, out. <laughs>